The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. Kobe uh, showed us a reading plan, and so hopefully you've been on this reading plan. Do you have an image of that, Zeke? Uh, For those of you that weren't here, we are uh, started on this reading plan. James, love God, uh, see, love God greatly. And uh, you can find it on your YouVersion app under plans. Just type in James and you'll see this image. And it's a 27-day plan. It's kind of a reading devotional plan. plan. It's not long. How many know it's not long? It's simple to go through. But what it'll do is it'll keep us kind of in James and keep you reading around James for the next 27 days. Now, some of us started last week, so you don't need to jump back seven days and catch up. Just start where you are. We're going to be in the book of James probably until the end of the year, I would venture to say. We'll be there that long. So if you didn't get in it, uh, download it jump on. And if you are saying, Tracy, I already got another reading plan. Well, I got like four other reading plans I do. So, and you go, well, yeah, it's because you get paid to do that. You know what? If I wasn't doing what I was doing, I'd probably have several reading plans that I do. Read through the Proverbs. I'm reading through Isaiah right now. I'm reading through James right now. I'm starting an Old Testament overview reading plan. You know, just, it's fun to bounce around and learn and grow and, uh, I am, like you, I am learning and I am growing in my relationship with Jesus Christ. So, uh, also if you are in your life groups, hopefully you're having, beginning to have some good conversation and will begin to continue to have some good conversations around the book of James. So last week, Kobe started us off with this brief introduction to James and he made the comment that, uh, and in Just before I really kind of jump into James, I kind of want to back up and get us to look at a couple things before we really go in further. So he said last week that um, the writer of the book of James was uh, Jesus' earthly brother. And this James, Jesus' earthly brother, was also the leader in the church in Jerusalem. And... More specifically, he is writing this letter to Jewish Christians who were scattered from Jerusalem and other nations because of famine, which led to difficulty and adversity and poverty. And there was persecution in Jerusalem toward the Christian believers because from the religious leaders because they rejected Jesus, rejected him being Messiah, and rejected those that followed him. So the, and there was persecution and opposition because of that. Now, the thing to keep in mind then, the people that he's writing to, they used to be a part of the church in Jerusalem, and now they're scattered. So James knows those people that he's writing to. They were living uh, in very different circumstances, and they are trying to get their lives together. You know, they are looking at um, reestablishing their homes and their sources of income, circles of friendship, and family of faith. Matter of fact, when they went to these Jewish nations who live very differently than they do, believe very differently than they do, acted very differently than they would, um, 
Also, the Jewish population there really was not welcoming of the Jewish Christians because they'd got word from Jerusalem and the religious leaders, these guys are way off, we don't have anything to do with them. So it was really kind of a tricky place for them to live. And for me, when I read through the letter, um, I get this big view for me, this big view that James is trying to help these people see that Christianity is a way of living. Christianity is a way of life defined by Jesus, His example, and His teachings. And it's really got a Jewish flavor to it. Uh, James pulls a lot out uh, from the Sermon of the Mount. And so it's interesting also to note that in this book, that this letter that James wrote to the church, it doesn't contain the gospel message. It doesn't explain Jesus' divinity or his ministry. It doesn't talk about his crucifixion, his resurrection. So it's not a theological book like that. The goal of James is not to preach the gospel in this letter to these people or to prove that Jesus was a son of God. And I think what we'll discover as we begin to walk through the book is that it is an extremely practical guide to Christian living the Christian life. In whatever circumstances you're in, we'll find out. Uh, it doesn't matter your circumstances, but it's a practical guide to live in this Christian life, listen, in a way that pleases God and provides a clear Christian witness to those that are around you. And I think that's uh, really interesting because when I think about uh, the letter to James, James specifically is writing to followers of Jesus. Specifically, he's writing to followers of Jesus. Now, we went through First Peter some time back, and it was the title of the uh, series that we went through is learning to live in the new family of Jesus. And there was a lot that was in there that was very practical to the believer, but then also to the unbeliever to help them see the message of the gospel and the, uh, the influences of the gospel that needed to be there. So now we're going into this with the, through this letter to the James and really talking to disciples of Jesus. And is there a difference between a follower and a disciple? I think it was, I think when Jesus, I can't remember where he was teaching, but he was teaching somewhere and it says large crowds followed him and he stopped and he just kind of pivoted. He turned around and he said, listen, if you're going to follow me, if you are going to be my disciple, this is the way it looks. And so for me, I don't think we, and I, hopefully what we'll drive at as we keep getting here is really what is a follower, what is a disciple of Christ, and what does he look like? We talked uh, some months back, or a couple months back, I was talking about the idea, you know, as if we used uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and we use that kind of as a, as a plumb line for our life, you know, the idea of love. We're supposed to love God and love one another. So love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it always trusts, always protects, always hopes, always preserves. You know, see so this, this big list. And, and what I think is interesting as we're rolling through James, I think, we're get, I think that's going to flesh out a little bit. Because James is really saying, as a follower of Jesus, 
as a disciple of Jesus, this is how you need to live. And so when we think about what's it look like to love God, what's it look like specifically in the book of James to love others, well, it looks like this. And let me back up. How many know it says, what did Jesus say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So both of those simultaneously, James is going, look, if you love God, you'll keep his commandments. Here's commandments. If you love others, you will practice particular things because that is what love looks like. And he really, James doesn't, um, so he's talking to people that he knows. So he is not mixing words. When you read through James, they're not suggestions. We talked, uh, Kobe brought up last week that out of 108 verses, 54 of them were imperatives. An imperative is a direct instruction or a truth. And James just walks through, he goes, uh, let me just tell you about this, bam. Let me tell you about this, bam. Let me tell you about this, bam. It was like, no apologies. He's going, look, this is what a disciple of Jesus needs to look like. This is what a disciple of, this is how a disciple of Jesus needs to think and how they need to act. And it's just bam, bam, bam. Matter of fact, I don't think you could look through the book of James and duck and not get hit because it covers so many facets of our Christian life. So Christianity is a way of living, example by Jesus and his teachings. And it is very different life that we live out than the world around us. And we got to see it how Jesus modeled it out. So Christianity is not the idea of church going, Christmas, Easter, and rituals. It's not what Christianity is. The very word Christian has the idea of being Christ-like. So we really got to understand, you know, you can come here all you want. We could have church seven days a week, 365. You could come here every day, but if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, received Him as your Savior, and begin to practice that out, I would challenge you in your profession of faith. And that's what James is doing. You say, you know what, you can... You can sing all day long that you love Jesus. I need to see it in your life because it's, if it's not in your life, if it's not in your behaviors, if it's not in your affections, if it's not in your thinking, then I really need to challenge whether it's even really there. And that's a gut punch. That is like, oh man, he's not messing around. Well, you know what? If, if I were lost or I was in some type of danger and somebody really, you know, I'm thinking of the battlefield and, you know, you got, your, you got your commanding officer and said, we're being attacked on all sides and this is exactly what you need to do and how you need to do it and where you need to go to get out of here alive. I'm going to pay attention, right? But we don't, for some, somehow, some reason, we think that it happens to be different when it comes to our Christian experience. Back up a little bit. <laughs> God got this whole thing going. He created the heavens and the earth and six days rested on the seventh. Man fell into sin. Sin all of a sudden put this consequence against humanity and God rectified that consequence by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. So from what my Bible tells me, 
It says that what I need to do is get out of that consequence that I in, quit being at odds with God and having this in front of me between God and I sin. I need to realize what God had done through His Son, Jesus Christ. I need to repent of my sins, ask God's forgiveness in my life so I can be reconciled by God and begin to live a new life. Anything outside of that, according to the Scriptures, anything outside of that, you are not where you need to be as a human being in the light of eternity. Oh, I understand God loves you just the way you are, and you can go a different way. You can get there some other way. That's just, I, I'm sorry, I just really don't read it. You know, I've read through the Bible lots of times. How many of you see there's a different way to be in a right relationship with God outside of Jesus Christ. See, there's not. Because there was a covenant that God had with humanity. It was called an old covenant. And through this old covenant, God did lots of things to help humanity be able to get in a place where they could be in this relationship with Him that all led up to this place that He was going to create this new covenant that would not have to be out of our works and having to do, but it would be something that would be born in us out of our heart with this desire through the Spirit of God to want to honor God and serve God and be in this right relationship. So, it's kind of clear from the scriptures. This is a way of life that we live. Christianity is a way of life. And when we react to life, we should react very differently than the world around us. Christianity is not this one-time decision that we make. It's a lifetime decision that we have the privilege of discovering and a responsibility. It's not a sprint. It's not an on-again, off-again thing. It's not a I'm-going-to-do-it-my-way type of thing. It is a long obedience in the same direction. It is a long obedience in the same direction. I don't get my card punched and I'm good to go. I pray a prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come in my life and then go live however I want. That just, you know, for me, I guess it just doesn't make sense that to have a mentality that I'm going to pray a prayer, that I, that I live like this, then I pray to prayer and I still live like that. Now, that's just a little messed up in my mind. It's almost like uh, Travis tells me he's going to be a plumber, but he always works for electricians. Oh, those are two different trades. Are they trades? Yeah, but they're very different. How are you going to learn to plumb by being an electrician? You never study a book? You never move in that direction? Then if you tell me you're a plumber, I'll go, dude, what are you wearing the electrical belt for? Your name says Sparky. You know? Not, no, I better, better not go there. <laughs> never Got to get that image out of my head, you know. Plumbers. <laughs> you know, the Greek word that we have for disciple, 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Stop, Tracy. <laughs> I know, but there's all these things bombarding my brain right now. Uh, okay. The Greek word for disciple means learner. And, you know, if we really plug that into our life, then it is the idea that disciples are people who learn. Who learn to be like Jesus and learn to do like Jesus. Simple definition. I mean, we can have all of them. Matter of fact, this would be fun to do in your life group. Here's what would be fun to do in your life group. Sit in your life group and try to come up with a definition of disciple. Simple definition. What is a disciple? Let's kick that around. What is that? And then once you kind of discover that, and it can't be like a paragraph, because it's got to be an easy ha a handle, something easy that we can grab a hold of, and then try to determine, okay, what are some metrics? How can we measure that? So if you are a disciple, let's just say, that, that learns to be like Jesus and do like Jesus, then what would be some, what would be some metrics in that individual's life that would, that would qualify that? That might be a good thing to do in your life groups. I'm not telling you to, but it might be a good thing to do. I just, you know, this idea, it's, not, it's a long obedience in the same direction. So this idea of a disciple is someone who with, listen carefully, with increased intentionality, with increased intentionality and passing of time, has a life that looks more and more like Jesus' life. So it is not... It, so this has to be, we have to, and, and I think when James is writing to these believers, he's just, I think he's just, he's getting rid of any myth that it's how you want it to be, because he really lands down on this is what it needs to look like in your life. If you are saying that you are a professor, a proclaimer, I'm a follower, I'm a disciple, I'm a learner, then your life, something in your life should mirror that, reflect that. And okay, so let me just back up a little bit because we're all in a learning process. I've been a believer since December 3rd, 1978, and we have been in ministry for nigh 30 years. And I have, as you just witnessed, a long way to go, right? I am. And God has, I don't know about you, but God has really been hammering me over the last six months or so going, Tracy, look, straighten up. And, and you say, well, I don't see anything in your life. Where does Jesus look? Here. Look, at, I came from a very, very messed up life. And it was so broken and fractured, it was not just a quick fix. I am still in the process of becoming. I am still in the process of acting right and thinking right and keeping my emotions in check. And especially, you know, when the culture that we're around is so divisive and tries to bring division, it is, it is insane 
in the culture around us. Matter of fact, I was thinking this morning, I have been running into so many, and let's just put it this way, uh, I'm, I'm around a lot of people, and so when I'm around people of different ethnicities, it's almost like we are working hard to say, I love you. It, it, believer or not believer, I, I don't know if you've been experienced this, but, I, but I've been around and I've been, uh, so maybe it's just holding a door or helping someone out or helping maybe, maybe some kind of situation they're in. You don't know at all and, and you bump into them and say, you doing okay? Can I help you in any way? Yes. Oh, thank you so much. It's almost like our, our, the enemy is trying to divide our world and there's, a, there's parts of us as humans that say, wait, that's not how we should live. And we're intentionally going out of our way, crossing the line, so to speak, that they say there. And we're really moving forward to say, I respect you. I love you. You're a human. And you are equal in the eyes of God. We are all on the same playing field. I don't know if that's been happening to you. But for me, that's been happening a lot lately. It's almost like, I apologize the, the attitudes are like, the, the kindness is coming out and, and the extension is almost like, I apologize, I am not that way. So, anyway, that's sideline. So the idea is that there's, there needs to be this increased intentionality and in the passing of time to have this life that is different. See, I am going to live my life as a follower of Jesus. Somewhere along the line, if you've named the name of Jesus, you've confessed Jesus as your Savior, somewhere in that you need to understand that the, 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 the uh, thought behind that is, I am going to continue to lay down my life and follow Jesus. And I think as we move into this letter, we get to see it a little bit more. I think part of James's aim in his letter is that he's writing to these followers, these disciples of Jesus, and he's teaching and admonishing and help them understand what that looks like and what that should look like in their life. Again, he's not trying to convince them to be a believer in Jesus. He's writing to believers. But he's trying to get them to understand the ways and the teaching of Jesus so that they can provide this clear Christian witness to those that are around them. See, if we're supposed to be salt and light to the world around us, our lives should cause people to stop and take pause. Not, not every single day, not 24-7, but in moments in time. You know, I mean, it's, you know, we were, I was chatting with somebody the other day and we were talking about uh, Abraham and you know, Abraham lived like I'll be a hundred, and we've just got like a few chapters. We got only sections of stories about his life. You know, there were years that Abraham lived, and nothing but the same old, same old. He would just live in his life, right? Living his life, trying to do what God wanted him to do, the way God wanted him to do it. And there were these times and moments when God intersected his life in a, in a very vivid, real way. For him to be able to have this opportunity to respond to life in a particular way that honors God, that is a clear testimony of those around him, who his God was and his worship toward God. So, again, this letter, I think, really helps guide us in this thinking process. 
It was, where, where are your affections? Where is your thinking process? And what do your behaviors look like? I, I, let me get back. I remember what I was going to get on is, so we're all in the, this process of learning. And those of you that are younger, I mean, you know, I'm looking at these girls here, and none of you in here are married yet. Is that good or bad? They're okay with that right now, all these girls. But, but what is going to happen is that there is going to be somebody ahead of you. And so where are your affections going to be? Are they going to be toward what you want, how you want it? Mm, tall, dark, and handsome, baby. Loaded, tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> or is it going to be, Father, you know my life. And I'm entr- I have entrusted my life to you that you're going to bring the individual that, that you have chosen, that you know is good and is best. I don't know if you guys know this, but when uh, Denise and I, we uh, got engaged in uh, February, she went home in June, and uh, she spent, well, it's toward May, toward the end of May. So May and June, she was gone 60 days. And I didn't know this was taking place. Otherwise, I probably would have been a little insecure about the whole thing. But her goal in going home, back to the farm, for those 60 days, was to fast and pray to make sure she wasn't making a mistake. <laughs> okay, so you, I have issues to think about that. The, you know, the first way it played in is like, you're going to go home not to confirm that I'm the right one? Just to make sure you're not making a mistake? Same thing, Denise says. <laughs> See, that's how you girls think. That's, that's how that works. So, you know, you're going to have to have some kind of principle. You're going to have to have some kind of standard for that God has given you that He knows and, and you can entrust your life to Him to your life mate. So you need to think differently about it. You need to behave differently about it. If you're a female or a male and all you're doing is trying to dress to impress, my Bible tells me that Sarah had inner beauty that far outweighed. So I mean, man, a godly man is looking for godliness, not for a babe. Right? Man, if we, if we do this wrong, we probably won't get what's right. So there is, the, the, you know, thinking about a follower of Jesus. If, if I'm truly, if I'm truly following Jesus, I'm going to want what He wants for me. Now you graduate, you're going to go to college. Well, let me just say this about that. What is Jesus saying to you about what He wants you to do. Well, forget that. This is what I want to do. Well, can I say something? I'm going way off topic, but I, I think I really need to nail this down. Because sometimes what you wish and His desire are very similar. Because if God wired you a particular way to do a particular thing, those urges are going to be right in there, right? Getting back to this whole thing about relationships, you know, you girls are at the age and you're getting up to the age, and, or guys, and you're getting up to that age as far as 
Uh, you know, you get to be 18, 19, you're out, and all of a sudden you have this urge. There is this, this God just kind of, my son, Ryan, only looked at an orange ball this big till he was about 19. All of a sudden, the ball dropped. And now he's looking around at something different. Because God was nudging him to prepare himself for his life mate. That was, it was a God thing. Now, when that happens, it doesn't mean girls or guys, the first one that rocks across the path is the one and go chase him down like a hound dog. That's not how that works. Because it is that very juncture of your life the devil jumps into. Because he knows that God has nudged you about a mate. And so he's going to select one for you. Oh, Tracy, that's not true. That is absolutely true. He is messing. He is wanting to mess up your life. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So he can't but try to get you to go in a direction that God does not want you to go in. And here's the check for that. You meet someone, and all of a sudden you think they're wonderful, but they are an atheist. Well, I'll marry them, and, and they'll get saved. Oh, please, honey, don't do that. Let's have some, let's have some calmer, let's, let's at least have two rails on a track that are going the same way, parallel. Begin somewhere where you know you need to begin. So this whole idea about being a follower of Jesus takes in a lot of things. There's character and competency. I want to be like Jesus, and I want to be able to do like Jesus wants me to do, to express the love and the grace and the kindness, the transformation that takes place in my life. When we hear, every one of you here that has received Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, Christianity, the idea of you being a learner, the idea of you being a disciple, the idea of you being a, a follower is pretty concrete in the Scriptures, what that looks like. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, when you try to determine some metrics for being what a believer looks like, it's not all down to, you, you can't, the list can't be this long and drawn out, what are some big pieces? Because we're in this process of learning and growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. I, as I just discussed and shared, I am learning to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. So it is a lifelong process with intentionality and passing of time. We are becoming we have not become. Every one of you that are breathing breath, you have areas to grow in your life, to be differently and to see differently. You know, as James writes to these believers, it seems like, you know, the pressures that were on their life, uh, because of where they were and what was going on, caused them to become maybe bitter, depressed, maybe impatient. Maybe they were allowing their culture to influence their lives in the ways they shouldn't. And so James is writing to them, really trying to get to the nitty-gritty of their life and what that needs to look like. 
you know, do you have this deep relationship with the Father as a disciple? Do we love the Scriptures? Can we really, truly, do we submit our lives to God? Do we see our world through the eyes of the kingdom or the prevailing culture that is around us? And are we walking accordingly? See, my Bible says that I'm supposed to love my neighbor. My Bible tells me that I need to practice forgiveness. My Bible tells me I need to be generous and compassionate and merciful. I think sometimes we embrace individualism instead of our really our identity in Christ. So I think that this is important for us as we walk through this letter that James wrote to these Christian believers. Being a disciple of Jesus is learning over the course of our lives. Uh, uh, nobody here has graduated. You graduate when you die. None of us have arrived because arrival is on a different shore. We live to die to live. And so I think James is really a good book for us as we walk through to challenge us. What does it look like and what does it mean to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus? Father, thank you. This, uh, if anybody here thought this was tricky on them, I've been getting this for several weeks. So just so you all know, no sympathy but Father, I think that in our prevailing culture, the most important thing we can do is live the life you've provided through Christ. To be challenged by that in our, in our affections, in our thinking, in our behaviors. So I'm, I'm just asking that what you do for us is just grow us up in that. Uh, it, it, it's not a hard pill to swallow. It's not tricky, not when, we, not when we are in the Scriptures, not when we're in conversations and fellowships and life groups, because we're hearing it more from different places we're more familiar with and we're more comforted by when we hear others that struggle the same way we do, but they are being challenged by the Scriptures and we find the stories where, God, you've helped and you give grace. So, God, thanks for that. Thanks for the opportunity we have to gather together as a body of believers to mutually encourage one another and help one another grow in this nurture, in this encouragement we have from you. So I'm asking as we leave here, God, that you just cause us everywhere we are just to continue to see our life as it is, as a learner as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus. Amen. Have an amazing week.